What did you think was the creepiest part of this movie? The monster or the dirty hillbilly children? <laughs> oh my goodness. So you're not comfortable with some southern uh, raised in a commune style child? Those kids were creepy as fuck, dude. <laughs> Why were they so dirty? Uh, I mean, they don't take cleanliness or hygiene as a high aspect of the needs of their oh, life. Oh, well, let's not stereotype. I'm talking about Southern these people. kids in the movie. Oh, okay, clearly, it's not like you're families. making a sweeping no, 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 stroke no. of. Um, I think clearly the monster in this movie is creepier than those children. Uh, those children wanted to do right and even help out. Well, one of them did, but he was also the least dirty one. So he got cleaner as we've been I'm serious. I don't know about that. I think he was pretty covered in dirt. I think they were trying to get us to think about a like certain out of the like main center of things kind of community. There right. are a lot of things that happen in this that wouldn't happen if you were just outside of a major town. A lot of things that wouldn't happen is if you weren't a fucking asshole. That's the lesson <laughs> I learned from this movie. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And today for our Halloween episode, we are discussing Pumpkinhead, which is actually a cult favorite of the late 80s. And if I'm being honest, not that bad a movie. Yeah, we might have fucked up a little bit here. Well, this one was driven by the beer. If you want to blame anything for us covering this movie, blame the beer that we are drinking today. <laughs> yeah, this is almost a beer request over a movie request. It was sort of a slam dunk here. We had to do this movie because we are going to be drinking Pumpkinhead. This is by the Shipyard Brewing Company. And this beer has been a staple of summer and fall beers since the, I don't know, like mid to late 90s. Which is crazy early as far as like craft brews go. And also I feel like pumpkin flavored stuff. I think like in that time, I, I could be wrong, but I don't even remember like pumpkin spice, all the craze around pumpkin spice coming up to like the 2000s or whatever. So they were kind of ahead of the curve on this, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I think like this, this brewery, Shipyard's out of Portland, Maine now. Uh, so they were started in Maine. They started with a beer called the Shipyard Export Ale, and that's kind of what got them going. They were serving that out of a brew pub, and then they created their own brewery. And shortly after, they discovered this pumpkin head beer, and I think they blew up. Like I agree with you. I don't know that any other pumpkin beer that I've had came out as early as 1996. So I think they were kind of leaders in the pack here. So I'm excited to try this. On their website, it seems like they have a lot of really cool beers as well. They have stouts, uh, IPAs, pale ales, all kinds of stuff. They even have some higher alcohol versions of the pumpkin head and some that are barrel aged. So that would oh. be pretty cool too. They got some variants on I'm sure. This is by far, I mean, this seems like anyway, their biggest deal. Like they Maybe it's because it only comes out for a limited time. It usually comes out around August of every year and I think it sticks around until after uh, American Thanksgiving, or as the Americans call it, Thanksgiving. Uh, but like, yeah, all over their social media, you can see all the stuff about it. It's on a lot of like their merch and stuff. So a big, big deal and a beer that like, I don't know about you, I definitely heard about this before we acquired it. Like a lot of people are just like, oh, this American beer, pumpkin head, pumpkin head, pumpkin head. So yeah, again, if, if you don't like us covering the movie, Blame the fine folks at Shipyard <laughs> for making such yeah. of a sought after pumpkin beer. I love that we're gonna throw the like responsibility to them for making such a renowned beer. Well, no, I'll appreciate you know, I'll do, that <laughs> Shipyard. <laughs> I'll take some responsibility too. Like, I had never seen Pumpkinhead, and so like hearing about this beer and actually being able to get our hands on it. I'm like, what a good excuse to watch the movie for the first time. You yeah. hadn't seen it before either, no, right? No, absolutely not, of course. That's oh. not a surprise to anyone who listens to the podcast, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and the picture on here is of the Headless Horseman. 
this is kind of what I was expecting coming into Pumpkinhead the movie. I thought maybe it might be a riff on that sort of old classic tale. Are we just hoping it would be because you love Sleepy Hollow so much? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no Shout comment. out to Christina Ricci. Uh, yeah, yeah. Noel's fucking she was kind high of a, school a crush. crush. Was yeah, it? she yeah. was a high school crush. Uh, Christina Ricci is particularly in Sleepy Hollow, a high school crush right. for me. Yeah. What was different about her in that movie, you know? Uh, I think it was the Victorian wardrobes were wonderful. Oh, shit, you fucking liar. <laughs> All right, we won't expose you too much here. Other than to say, uh, we watched the movie for the first time, did not realize how unbad it was, but now we're talking about it because we've got this beer, we're going to do it. So if you love Pumpkinhead, uh, the movie, and you're mad at us right now, don't be mad. We're still going to have some fun with this. And if you love Pumpkinhead, the beer, or if you've never tried it, by all means, uh, go seek out the uh, shipyard brewing company what do they call it yeah yeah out of uh portland maine so i'm sure you can probably get it all over the uh northeast of america i would expect it might even be shipped all across the u.s at this point i don't know but uh look into it if you're interested i can't wait to get into this why don't we crack this open right now and get started what do you say yeah i'm excited So after the MGM UA logo, we get some eerie music and a raging fire graphic of the title, Pumpkinhead. That fire continues through the opening credits until we arrive at a farm in 1957. A grizzled old farmer type loads his shotgun and steps outside while his wife puts their son to bed. This farmer is clearly troubled as evidenced by his son asking, Mom, hmm? what's wrong with Dad and I? Nothing, Eddie. Are you mind me and you go right to sleep here? But there is clearly something wrong with him as he quickly surveys the property before returning and barring the door. Yeah, we are getting into creepiness right away. We're getting hit in the credits with some great eerie sound effects. We get sort of the text that tells us to. There's a subtitle to the movie as well, The Demon of Revenge. And I'm kind of wishing that was what this was called. Instead of Pumpkinhead? Yeah. Because of your headless horseman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm having, I'm having trouble. We'll talk about it as we go later. So he locks this door. The kid's freaked out. The mom's freaked out. She even asks if she should be worried, right? She's like, should I be afraid right now? And the old farmer tells her no, right? He just says, we're going to stay inside. Uh, what's happening outside of their little cabin or house here? Well, we cut back and forth between this nervous family and a man frantically running through the cornfields, desperately trying to escape something. The man eventually ends up at their door and starts banging on it, begging to be let inside. But no dice, says the dad, and what we learn here is that something has put the fear of God into these people, and that something is a large alien-looking creature called the pumpkin head, which I guess is the source of your frustration. Uh, I did not think his head looked like a pumpkin, but I don't feel as strongly about this as you do. Yeah, I don't know. The creature itself is rather menacing and scary-looking. Um, it does look similar to the aliens from Alien, or certainly... But, well, the, the, but the guy who did direct this movie is the same guy who did the effects from Alien, and also Predator. I see a little bit of that in here, too. And Terminator and tons of Stan stuff, Winston, right? Stan he's Winston, he's a legend. Yeah. yeah. So Not for directing, though, which is what he did here. Yeah, this is his fine. directorial debut, I guess. So, so, yeah. His first major one, and I think, obviously, he's going to bring... Um, um, that sort of special effects and makeup and kind of feeling to this movie being that guy. Uh, and the demon is cool and it's menacing and scary and they're actually doing a really good job of lighting it here. You don't actually see a ton of it. 
you almost see more shadows of it or like the kind of other stuff going on. And you see it grab the Clayton guy and take him out. The kid is actually the one watching at the window to see this all go down. Well, we get a pretty full shot there of the thing lifting up this guy's body and just slaughtering him, which the kid sees. Now, I was shitting on Stan Winston's direction a second ago, but we get a really nice dissolve here from the child's face seeing this guy get murdered to his grown-up self. That is our main character, Ed Harley, played by Lance Henriksen. He is a store owner with a young son of his own, and the two of them are living an idyllic country life. But you and I both know, if there's one thing that can shatter an idyllic life, it's a bunch of no-good teenagers. <laughs> Especially in the fucking 80s. Yeah. Right, we know this isn't going to be going very well. We get some shots of some clearly city teens. These aren't country folks, and we do get a lot of that sort of dichotomy throughout this story. Okay, but I was thinking about this. They are painted as, like, city folk, but what do they have on the back of their fucking trailer? Dirt, dirt bikes. bikes. So it's not a city thing. They're they're city kids who ride dirt bikes. This is why they've come out to the country. We think to go. Spend they're some suburbs time the kids. That's what they are. <laughs> they go to a fucking field and ride their dirt bikes. I don't live in the city. They live in the suburbs. That is kind of how I grew up. But uh. no, me too. I, that's why I recognize it. Yeah, I knew kids that had dirt bikes. We yeah. live in the fucking city. Yeah, I rode them as a teen too. But uh, you know, uh-huh. um, so yeah, we would have been fitting those. We wouldn't have been true country folks. We were kind of suburb folks growing up. But uh, these suburb folks are coming along. They don't really say whether they're teens or adults. They're clearly adults based on the age of the Well, I was going to say, but... we could fit in there now the way we look with the way that some of them looked age-wise. Oh, my <laughs> God. The Chris character was certainly in his oh late my... 30s. I thought he was one of their dads. His fucking dad's taking his <laughs> oh, kids. Oh, is this the spookiest thing again? <laughs> We've talked about this many times. It's a horror staple. It's a horror staple. Yeah. Uh, I will say some of these uh, teens, young adults, whatever, seem like decent people, but not Joel. He's the asshole of the group drinking while driving and making fun of Ed's son, Billy, for his nerdy appearance. Made a friend there already, eh, Joel? Gypsy, no. Check out this kid's glasses. We're talking Coke bottles. Jesus. What? All I said we was heard a- you, man. But as if taunting a child wasn't enough to make you hate this guy, he ends up running the kid over with his dirt bike and mortally wounding him. What an asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. If anyone you want to root against to get killed is this fucking Joel character, they do a good job of building up an asshole you want to see die. Joel has run over the kid, and he tells the rest of them that he's on probation for hitting another child. <laughs> yeah, this comes up later. This guy is his second fucking uh, hit-and-run related incident involving a child. So he packs up and gets the fuck out of there. He's not interested in helping this kid. The kid's not dead, but he and most of the group fucking drive off and leave one single member, Steve, there to, like, watch over the child as it dies. That is true. As it dies. The child is not a fucking entity. It's a child. As he dies. Come on, man. (laughs) Why can't I refer to the child as it? Well, before that happens, though... We get a jarring juxtaposition between these well-maintained city folk and the extremely filthy locals. As I already mentioned, everyone who shows up has dirt all over their faces. Like, do their trucks not have windshields? Is that what's happening here? Yeah, well, they all ride in the back. Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, Well, in addition to making us all feel grateful for showers, these locals are also here to give us some hints about the legend of Pumpkinhead. Apparently, he punishes those who would do wrong around these parts, so that's bad news for Joel, huh? Yeah, yeah, the one little boy who comes out of the truck takes a baseball that's not his, and the rest of the kids spin around him singing the story, saying that Pumpkinhead is going to come and fucking murder the shit out of him. You know, a friendly way to razz your siblings. 
Yeah, well, I mean, come on, man. That's how local legends work. That's no different than anything else. The Boogeyman or Bloody Mary or whatever the I fuck mean, is. Dude, it got so scary that some of those teens were getting freaked out, too. One of them even stops them as they're kind of taking it a little bit too far. Well, that's she right there. She's very empathetic, and that proves why she deserves to be the final girl of this movie, which, yeah. spoiler alert, she is. <laughs> uh, now, as you mentioned, they leave Steve there, that one guy, to, uh, to mind the child until the father. Ed had to run to get some feed for this uh, family that came to visit with all the dirty children. Uh, when Ed gets back, this Steve guy does nothing to express the urgency of the situation. Like, he lets Ed go in the store, look around, call for his son. When he comes back out, he kind of, like, gently waves at him instead of being like, help, there's been an accident, help, get over here. Like, fucking no urgency. So I don't know what that Steve guy is doing, but fuck, man, terrible job by him. Yeah, it's really, really fucked up. He just waves him over, and then after the dad gets there, picks up his son, and hustles off to try to go get some help, he pathetically sort of says it was an accident, and... We get a really sweet death stare from Ed. We know kind of where this is going now. Oh, yeah. He's got fucking murder in his eyes. Now, while this is happening, the rest of the teenage dirtbags arrive at the cabin to try to call for help. But Joel, always looking out for number one, has ripped the phone cord out of the wall. This is where we find out that this is not the first time he has uh, damaged or possibly killed a child with a moving vehicle. Uh, He's on probation from this incident two months ago. And at this point, I'm just questioning why these other people are even friends with him. I mean... The one guy is his brother, Steve, the one who stayed behind with the body, and that's the only explanation. It seems like they're all kind of friends with Steve. But he's got a girlfriend. Joel's got a girlfriend there who's, like, defending him, being like, guys, he can't go back to jail. We're like, what? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, But there's always kind of that partner or person who supports someone no matter what they do, right? I do like her for standing by her man. I'll say that. She she did not deserve to die, in my opinion. I like this lady. (laughs) You were hot on her appearance and attitude. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why is it always about me? You always have to question why I like female characters. You always describe it to like just the way they look, and that's not necessarily true. I didn't say that at it, all. No, it is true I, in this no, case, no, no. but it's not always yeah. true is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just said you liked her personality. That's uh, what came out of there. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, we could talk about it. I I, I preferred the Tracy character. Right, nobody wants to hear this. Yeah. They don't want to hear us yeah. well, there you fucking go. ranking these ladies. <laughs> um, we go now to a very emotional scene where Ed comforts his son as a little bit Billy succumbs to his injuries. But after that, Steve returns to the cabin to find that Joel has not only pulled the cord out of the wall, he has now locked the two friends who wanted to go to the police in a closet. That is Tracy and Chris. And Joel is clearly not fucking around here. Steve kind of tries to calm him. He seems optimistic that things are going to be okay since Ed showed up and took Billy. But Joel is not convinced and presses him for more details. Yes. Did you tell him what happened? I told him it was an accident. And? And he, and he just looked at me. What do you mean he just looked at you? I don't know. Don't lie to me! He looked at me like he wanted to kill me. Yeah, not great, Steve. I'm not sure you're, you're helping here. <laughs> yeah, you didn't do enough to get rid of the sort of fears and anger of Ed, the scorned dad here. What I'm really confused about is how nobody did enough to get this kid medical help. He doesn't even try. He takes him, like, home first where the kid dies. I'm like, get him to a fucking doctor. I know there's, like, no cell phones, which is, I mean, with cell phones, this whole movie doesn't, like, it's all fine. Yeah. None of this needs to happen. 
but like drive him to a doctor. There's got to be a doctor nearby. They can't be that far away from medical attention, but at least fucking try. Or a fucking vet. Anyone with medical experience of any kind, get your child there. He does like nothing to get this kid help. He takes him home and lets him die. We have this very well shot with like incredible lighting and smoke and behind a winnow death scene where the dad holds the son. Good acting like, here too, I thought. Yeah, this Henderson's was well done, this. this scene, but it didn't need to happen if he went to go get help. Now, of course we know he needs to die so yes. that we can move this movie forward, but I wish there would have been more of an attempt to find some medical care for this child. You know what would have helped also? Uh, this movie is about 85 minutes long, including credits. You throw in a couple of scenes of him driving the kid trying to get help for him. Boom, we're up to 90. Because we came in a little light. They wouldn't have felt like padding because he needed to try to find Except help. It would have felt like a parent trying to save their child's life. Regardless, the next time we see Ed, he is on a mission, driving to the house of that family we saw earlier at the store to ask the patriarch for information, specifically information about an old lady who, according to local legend, has powers. The old man tries to talk him out of it and won't give him a name or an address, but one of his grandkids, smelling an opportunity to get something in trade, gives up the info. And just when I thought things couldn't get any more hillbilly, we go meet this old crone. <laughs> Yeah, so the head of the Wallace family here, the patriarch as you called him, is not willing to give up this information because he knows that if you are going to deal with, I mean, we're going to call her a witch. If you're going to deal with a witch, you're, yeah. you're going to be giving something up in trade. So he won't do it, but his grandson, not wise enough, this Bud character, I think is the grandson's name, to know that uh, Ed is going to have to give something up here. So His name was Bunt. Oh, maybe. Okay. It's a weird fucking name. Right. Either, either way. Yeah. So the grandson tells him where it is. He's even willing to ride in the truck part way there, but he's not willing to go to this witch's cabin because it's pretty spooky. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, and in addition to living in what is essentially the prototype of a witch's house, complete with tarantulas, rats, and an indoor owl, they have put a ton of makeup on her to make her look even more creepy. And that makeup is okay. Yeah. I think it is time-based. Uh, they definitely have, like, a full facial prosthetic, hand prosthetics. Yeah. They have some good, like, I think the hair they used on it was really the effective. Hair looks um, and her costuming is good, too. It's only when we get the full frontal face view of her that it struggles a little bit, particularly around her eyes. Yeah, you said the eyes. The eyes are, it, you can't really do anything with that, I guess, at that point. They can't CG it. That, they probably could have put contacts in, maybe, but, I mean, the technology wasn't as well, good. Well, and it's also the way that you, like, connect the facial prosthetic to the eyes is a really big challenge. Like, I think that's oh, one of the yeah. hardest places to make it seem real and not look like a mask. And it falls a little bit short there. But overall, I thought the aesthetic of the witch in her cabin was quite well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, anyway, this old hag tells Ed that she can't raise his son from the dead, but he already knew that. What he really wants, she can do. But she isn't going to do it unless he asks. What do you want, Ed Harding? Say All I could think of here was that old Ben Stiller character. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I did not make that connection at all. Um, she definitely needs to hear him uh, say the words. That is the only way that she can get w still. So he has oh to like. Oh my God, go man. Come thing. on. <laughs> That's not correct. Uh, how do you know? Uh, did think, you hear the way that she asked for him to say it? I thought she was getting excited, yeah, but I thought yeah. it was more like the, you know how like vampires have to be invited in 
Or like, uh, if you're making a deal with the devil, you can't make it till you actually like say like whatever, sign the thing. I thought it was more like that. I did not uh, think it was. This a, was the contractual obligation. Yeah, not a sexual intonation. I don't think anyone would watch this and think it was anything sexual. So thanks for that, Noel. You're Wait, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I put that out there. I gotta live up to our review. Here come more two star <laughs> Oh God. Uh, well, if she's going to summon the pumpkin head, she's going to need some materials, just like they needed to make the voodoo powder in the serpent and the rainbow that we watched last season so she sends ed off to a graveyard buried deep in the woods actually it's a graveyard slash pumpkin patch which is totally perfect for what we've got going on here right like it makes sense yeah it really really cool setting uh they do a good job of building the setting of this cemetery pumpkin patch there's a bunch of like rotten pumpkins and they do a good job of using smoke to keep everything looking pretty real and eerie here. They also raise the bed where this demon creature thing is buried and he has to climb up. It's, yeah, it's kind of cool like a visual. hill almost. Yeah, it's a very, very cool visual. This is why he's called pumpkin head, because you have to dig up and resurrect it from this cemetery. I don't love it still. I like the setting, but why I'm are you still fighting this? I don't know. I'm not in on the name. Um, the naming convention of the movie. I, it should have just been the Demon of Revenge, and I think it would have been fine. Uh, I'll tell you what I had a problem with. Is it my imagination, or does he dig this body up way too easily? I think it was under, like, six inches of dirt. Yeah, it wasn't buried super deep, but I guess if, like, every couple generations you're digging it up to uh, resurrect it. <laughs> Ease of it, access? Yeah, you don't yeah. want it to be too deep in there. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, anyway, back at the cabin, Joel is keeping watch over everyone with a rifle. While Steve offers to take the fall, and Joel's girlfriend is worried about their other friend, Maggie, who seems particularly traumatized by what happened. But what they should be worried about is what's happening back at that old witch's cabin. Yeah, shit's about to get fucked up for them really quickly. Um, we are getting a ritual at the witch's cabin where she's taking this sort of desiccated body from the graveyard, the pumpkin graveyard, and she's adding some blood from both our small child and from Ed himself. Yeah, definitely. She's brewing up something here. Uh, this is the part where you and I spent some time arguing about how realistic her old lady makeup looks. Uh, I had kind of similar feelings when we see the pumpkin head rise here. Like overall, I would describe the effects as solid, but there are a couple of shots, couple angles where it looks pretty fake. Not fucking Mac and me fake like we saw last week, but pretty fake. <laughs> Yeah, that this, shitty fucking alien. Oh my god, this is a step up. Although it did remind me of an alien, it would have been a much cooler alien makeup. They do a better job in here uh, creating this demon. It does feel a little too close to alien shapes to me. I don't know. I always think of demons in more of like a skeletal, fiery, like underground kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, he's got those like weird shoulder things sticking out. He's got of, claws. Like it kind of looked like the shoulders were wings that were chopped off like it was a dead angel, which I did like that as oh, a bit of a that's like, interesting homage. take. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, uh, well, this is on now. Pumpkinhead is ready to seek vengeance on those no good city folk. But as we see in our next scene, old Farmer Ed is maybe having some mixed feelings about this. Ooh, yeah, this is creepy. Uh, the little boy kind of pops to life in a vision, and he asks Daddy about what's happening here in, like, such a sweet, childish voice. It was a bit of an eerie scene. Yeah, but he's clearly fucking dead. He's all bloody and, like, you know, the thing when, like, people are, like, dead bodies come to life. You know, you know that thing that happens yeah, all the yeah, time? Yeah. No, but no. in movies it happens all the time. Yeah. yeah, it was clear that he was gone, right? That he was dead and talking to him. And it's not a sixth sense kind of thing here. Like, we can tell it's the corpse talking. Dad quickly shakes it off, but is rattled. He probably isn't sure what he bargained for here. 
Well, he's a little more confident about his choice when he has to dig a grave for his son. He puts him right next to the wife's burial plot and tells her... They killed our boiling, honey. Now they're going to pay. And they start paying almost immediately as Pumpkinhead murders Steve after he runs outside to try to talk to Maggie. What do you think of these murder effects? <laughs> Are you speaking of the actual killing of Steve or the effect of our Ed character kind of having seizures while the murders were the happening? The weird camera stuff. Yeah. I was talking mostly about that. The, the practical effects on that are pretty decent. Yeah. No, the yeah, actual the camera thing was weird. Seeing Steve grabbed out of camera. Like a lot of the kills are this creature has very long claws and it grabs people, drags them out of camera and does the dirty work there. Well, and it climbs trees like a ring-tailed lemur. Yeah, it's very mobile. It's good with trees. And so it, it gets a hold of Steve and does some damage to him. The effects are interesting. It's sort of like a camera flashing seizure effect where Ed is like feeling and sensing the first murder, seeing what the creature's doing. Yeah, it's almost like a it's almost like they're doing some kind of like wipe, but then they pull back before it actually transitions. It's like almost like that, that kind of like Scooby Doo, like the you yeah. know the doodle doo I didn't love it to be honest. This effect was one of the few minor complaints I had with the choices that they made, I think. I think there might have been a better way to show the connection. Maybe they didn't have it at the time. But it would have been, like, even just seeing through the creature's eyes and knowing it was Ed would have been a nice way to do it, I think. I mean, I think they needed something to convey the supernatural part of it. It's just him reacting in a room. You wouldn't necessarily know it's because of that. You might be like, oh, is he just guilty or something? So, like, I think there's a reason for it, but I agree it was kind of weird. Speaking of people sensing things, perhaps sensing that justice is coming for him, Joel decides to release his friends and turn himself into the police. Good luck with that one. As Maggie bursts into the cabin to tell them about Steve and Joel and Chris run out to investigate. They find a bloody something, we couldn't figure out what that was, and return to the cabin, which promptly causes Maggie to get grabbed right after Pumpkinhead drops Steve's bloody corpse on the ground in front of them. But it doesn't kill her exactly, it just gently caresses her face. Well, not gently, but still. Creepily caresses her face, yeah. And slashes her. (laughs) There is a lot of grabbing people by the head and neck. Like, this creature is good at grabbing hold of people and moving them around by that. He takes her away or on top of the building, it seems. Like, he had dropped Steve from on top of the cabin they were in uh, onto the front porch and pulls her up and away. A couple of them kind of chase after her, but she's probably not long for this world. Yeah, we don't see what happens to her yet, but she's gone. This thing is moving fast. Meanwhile, Ed Harley is experiencing some buyer's remorse in our next scene, and that old lady has zero sympathy for him. What did you think? It'd be easy, neat and clean and painless. You're a fool. If you won't help me, if you don't help me, then I'll do it myself. You'll fail it, Harley, and pay the final price all the sooner. God damn you, God damn you. He already has, son. I thought that Maggie was going to be the lowest bar for acting in this one, but this scene, this could be a toss-up. Yeah, the Maggie character, while she's having her psychotic break, is really poorly acted. She's bad. Yeah. Um, really, really bad. I actually think, in terms of acting, that teen group is pretty brutal. I thought they were okay except for her. Yeah. Well, she brings the bar down for everyone, I think. Yeah. But um, in this scene, that old lady and Lance Henriksen, it's not great. I actually think it's the worst performed scene in the entire movie, or the yeah. one that comes off the least effective to me, because... Both the witch in other scenes and certainly Ed in lots of the scenes is quite good. Yes. Um, but this one does not 
does not come off. This Get a better is, take, Stan Winston. Yeah, if this is the best take, then I would have pushed them a little bit harder. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. That was tough. Um, after Ed runs out to try to stop what he started, we see that Pumpkinhead does, in fact, kill Maggie. It smears her face across the cabin window and then slashes her as she bleeds out on the porch. Joel tries to play the hero at this point, but gets smacked down for his troubles, and Pumpkinhead chooses to take his girlfriend instead. And take her, it does, right up to the top of a tree where it drops her on a rock. Pretty good kill, I thought. Yeah, I actually really like the Maggie kill. It was very, very creepy. Uh, this Pumpkinhead demon likes to taunt its victims, and bringing her head up to the window while she's still alive and then killing her by smashing her through the window and impaling her on that glass and having that blood run out all over the countertop was really, really well done. It was hard to see the pumpkin head character in the tree. It climbed so high. Like, it yeah. dropped... This is not a short tree. It dropped her from, like, 50 feet in the air onto that rock. Um, but I like the effect of that dropping her. She's toast on that rock, and they're all starting to unravel now, wondering what they're going to be able to do to get away from this thing. Well, they start by running. There's only three of them left alive now, Joel, Chris, and Tracy, and they take off hoping to find a way out of here and back to the city. Now, they think they've found it in an old truck, but the owner comes out with a rifle to scare them off. They beg for help, but he tells them, I can't help you. You folks, he's marked. And just then the wind picks up and we cut to a shot of Pumpkinhead hanging his enormous dong in the moonlight. <laughs> I think it was actually his tail. But at first glance, oh. it absolutely looked like a giant penis. Yeah, they probably should have moved that to the side for this shot. Yes. Because in pause, it looks like he's got a four foot d hanging down in front <laughs> of him. Massive. That thing is dragging the ground. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Ed shows up and shoots it. Pumpkinhead, not the giant dong. And Joel walks up to finish the job. He puts a bullet into Pumpkinhead at close range and tells everyone it's dead. Or not, as it grabs his leg, snaps it, and picks him up and impales him. Finally! Yeah, Joel deserved to die. The only character who they did a good job of making you want to die was Joel. A lot of those other characters made some shitty decisions too, though, so I wasn't super upset, really. Um, but... It is nice to see him go. He gets stabbed through the chest with a gun, like a rifle-style gun, and then lifted into the air to make sure that he's finished off. Similar to the way the first guy died at the beginning. Yeah, that's true. He got hoisted up, too. Ooh. I don't think he had a gun, but... Yeah, yeah that pickup is uh, sort of maybe its signature move. Now, the main bad guy, the guy who did the killing, is gone. The one who killed the kid, but this monster doesn't know that. I had this thought, too. Like, the two remaining teens probably shouldn't be hunted by this thing. They're the ones that wanted to call for help in the first place. Joel locked them in a fucking closet. They couldn't call for help. They couldn't do the right thing if they wanted to, but they did want to. Yeah, they wanted to try to help, but I guess this monster doesn't know who was responsible because Ed didn't know. Like, there's clearly a connection between Ed and the monster, but Ed didn't know who was responsible for this killing in the end. Oh, like he wished for it for all of them, and that's yes. why? Yeah, a, a curse so. is a curse is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mentioned uh, the guy getting killed in the beginning a couple seconds ago. We get a nice repeat of our own opening scene here as those two teens come upon the home of that family from the store and bang on the door begging to be let in but of course that isn't going to happen however the grandson who led ed to the old lady sneaks out to ask them questions about whether pumpkin head is real what it looks like and so on and he also tells them he knows somewhere safe they can hide but i'm guessing that probably isn't true 
Yeah, he really wants to find out if it's real and is curious about this pumpkin head theory. I think he also feels a little bit bad for these two who he thinks probably didn't take a big part of it. And he kind of took a shining to this Tracy character, too, when they interacted at the earlier stage. She was the one who told them to stop making fun of the little kid. She's the kind one. Again, this is establishing her final girl bona fides here. That comes back. So... Uh, He starts dragging them off through the woods. Uh, The monster's been a little bit slowed down by the Joel kill and the the shots. We also see Ed get bit by a dog and the monster react. The monster gets hurt when Ed gets bit by the dog here. Yeah, this is our first glimpse into how this thing's all going to end. Um, the dog attacking Eddie can sense evil. Animals can sense evil a lot, right? Yeah, well, even his own dog turned on him earlier. The The two dogs or the animals can sense that he has been impacted or is connected to this demon. Yep, well, animals are, you know, smart. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they have a different sense yeah. than we do. No, that's for sure. Um, so that kid takes the two remaining teens to this creepy burned-out church or what's left of it and basically explains everything to them. See, so according to the legend... If one man does something bad to another man, it's got to be something real bad, something like killing. And that other man can have Pumpkinhead conjured up to take revenge. This kid knows a lot of stuff, but he was totally wrong about that church being safe. Not only can the monster walk in there, no problem, it smashes up a big cross just because. Oh, it wants to give it a bit of an F you to uh, the church, I think, here. Um, I actually loved this. <laughs> All right, man, if you say so. Yeah. I, don't I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, I actually really loved this set. I thought it was really, really well done. Very simple settings in this movie because most of it's in the woods and in some shacks. Yeah, they must have spent like nothing on sets for this, which is helpful if you're trying to make this movie, right? Yeah, most of the budget had to be on the like makeup creature effects, effects 100%, right? Yeah, which which is awesome. Um, But when you have the pumpkin head come through the door of this burnt down church, we just have some incredible lighting and wind effects yeah. and smoke yeah, and like cool. they really make a dramatic entrance and make it suitably creepy the one thing that it's doing effectively is keeping you on the edge of your seat wondering whether people are going to die and they've even made it so that you kind of care whether this chris and tracy character make it at the end as well as that like you don't want the hillbilly kid to die no. either but again those are the those are the ones who didn't really deserve to die so yeah we are invested at this point once joel got axed then it became like okay i hope that everyone else gets away Uh, They do have one more chance to get away, speaking of which, if that kid can successfully get them back to where their cars were parked. That's about all the help they're going to get out of this family, though, as Ed goes to that house looking for help, and they immediately shoot him down, almost literally as the son pulls a gun at him and tells him to fuck off. But hey, Ed still ends up in better shape than uh, Chris, the last male teenager, right? (laughs) Chris, the 40-year-old teenager. Uh, They get back to the cars, and they find out that they're pretty much all trash. The only thing left still workable here is a single dirt bike. Chris hops on it to see if he can get it running, and just as he gets it running, uh, our friend the pumpkin head shows up and pulls him off that bitch. He shows up from the side that Chris just ran towards. Like, he got on that bike and was heading that direction, sits down, and the pumpkin head is there. Where the fuck did he come from? It's a bit of a pop-up. The only thing I can say is maybe he was hiding behind one of the cars that's been flipped over. Maybe. He's small enough that he can hide behind a flipped over vehicle. Well, speaking of flipping over vehicles, just fucking tosses the bike with Chris oh, yeah. on top of it. Yeah. And that he crashes down to the ground. I'm pretty sure it was a dummy. It looked like it was very still, but they did a good enough job of hiding this where I wasn't taken out of it. And uh, we don't really see what happens to Chris there. He's severely injured at least and not the kind of motorcycle crash anyone's expecting. 
But by the time Ed gets there, he has been dragged off by Pumpkinhead. So Ed grabs Tracy and the kid and drives them back to his place, where he starts to gear up for the inevitable final battle. Tracy is desperate here, asking Ed, Can't you stop this? Can't you call it off? Nothing can call it off. But I'm going to send it back to whatever hell it come from. Right as he fires up a blowtorch, and I am ready. Let's get this thing going. <laughs> I do love a good gear up montage. We don't quite get a, a montage no. here. I would have been like just losing it if that happens. I don't think that's a staple of a horror movie. No. Um, but he heads to the garage. He gets that fucking flamethrower fired up, and he's going to see what he can do to stop it. I'm wondering at this point whether he's going to make the connection between pain to himself and pain to the demon. Like, I'm wondering if he knows that the way to end it is to end himself. But he hasn't made that connection yet. We are getting close to that final battle, though. Once he's got that flamethrower ready and Tracy doesn't have anything to fight with, I don't know why she doesn't grab a pitchfork or something out of this place to go up for. Yeah, that's true. She just comes out with nothing, which is an odd choice. Like, grab something to fucking fight it off if it comes after you. I don't know. Anyway, we don't have to wait long for any of this stuff. As Pumpkinhead arrives at Ed's place with Chris's body, still alive somehow, and grabs the kid after a quick jump scare involving the dog. Ed wants to fight it, but quickly becomes possessed himself, which ends up being the key to this whole thing. Since the monster is partly made from his blood, the two of them are connected, and any damage to Ed hurts the monster as well. Now, one thing I thought was really cool in this scene is they even start to look like each other. Like Ed starts looking more like the monster, much looking more like Ed. That's a really cool effect. Yeah, as Pumpkin Head started to transition and turn into Ed, it was pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Ed loses his sight; his eyes almost roll back, and he almost gets like demon sight or eyes, which is interesting. And then the shape of the demon, the Pumpkin Head, starts to look like Ed. They start to become alike. And it is really, really impressive. I actually thought this makeup effect and the movement and transition was maybe the best part of this film. Yeah, you were all in on this. You're like, oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah, oh, you're watching yeah I them. really, yeah. really, really liked it. Ed still, though, even though he sees that demon transitioning into him, knows that he needs to try to take it down. So he starts heading out of the barn with his flamethrower. And what happens? He gets hit with a pitchfork, right? Is that what it is in the arm? He runs into it, yeah. yeah. He, like, sticks himself, and it goes into his shoulder and arm. And he sees the demon take a bit of a hit here. Yeah, it reacts in pain. Yeah. Yeah. This is where he knows that he is now connected. So maybe something's going to have to happen to him to shut down this demon. Oh, for sure. And this is all coming to a climax now. Pumpkinhead grabs Tracy and is going to kill her when Ed makes the ultimate sacrifice and shoots himself in the head. The monster collapses and we seem to be out of the woods here, but that turns out to not be the case as the monster revives and grabs the kid's leg. So now Tracy's got to kill Ed, who somehow is still alive, which would ordinarily be tough, but he basically begs her to do it. And she does, shooting him again until he collapses to the ground in the exact same pose the pumpkin head is in. They are one. It's awesome. It's good, right? Yeah, it's really good. They do try the flamethrower on the pumpkin head during this scene and it does fuck all. But she does finish it off by killing Ed, even though the gunshot through his head doesn't finish him off. Um, it must be that he's got sort of some sort of supernatural powers with this possession, like with being connected. Uh, enough bullets to the chest do finally take him out. Uh, so Ed finally gone. We're left here with Tracy, uh, the younger kid, the kid who showed them around. And Steve is still sticking in there. He's hanging in somehow. Yeah, I don't he's know still how. alive. What happens to the demon body here? Well, now it bursts into flames. The, the flames did fuck all before, like you said, but now that Ed is dead, 
this thing bursts into flames. And you correctly pointed out, this is the flame pattern of the opening credits. I like that sort of callback to the opening credits. That flame pattern that we saw was probably a shot of this special effect. The only thing I can say is maybe like once Ed's dead or his soul's gone or they're not connected in some way, that demon doesn't have a vessel to continue on with. So it burns up. Um, these three are probably going to head out of here and move on, but we don't really find out what happens to them. What is sort of the ending transition scene we get here? Well, yeah, after all this settles down, the last scene we get is that old witch burying a vaguely monstrous body in the grave that Egg dug up. This thing is somewhere in between a human and a monster, but as we see in the last shot as dirt is poured over it, uh, the necklace, there's a necklace that Ed's kid gave him at the start of the movie, is on that body. So it turns out that is Ed. They are still connected, and we've kind of come full circle here. Sunrise, sunset. Yeah, what we've determined now is that part of making this deal to get vengeance was volunteering to become the next pumpkin monster. Yeah, someone's going to dig him up later on and fucking use him to be the next pumpkin head. Until they become it. That's it. It's a, it's yeah. a vicious circle. And that after that's over, we're in the credits, man. This thing's done. I have to say, this is really not a bad movie at all. Like This might be the least bad movie we've ever done in this podcast. So thanks for joining us on Good Movies and Beer. <laughs> I mean, we're both going to give our rating, but uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. This was really well executed. Damn you, Shipyard Brewing Company, making <laughs> us embarrass ourselves like this for the not bad movie. I mean, your beer's delicious, though, and we're going to yeah. talk about it soon. But... I think we should cover all this now. Let's just yeah. get into our ratings here. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, the way we always do this, rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10, two times, 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable and the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales or what we call the Crit 20. And yeah, I'm not going to be even close on this. Uh, this thing was creepy. It was haunting. Creature effects, mostly good. Like considering the limitations of the time, they were actually pretty great. And they hit some very close-up shots too, as you mentioned, which leaves you like nowhere to hide. So the fact that they kind of held up is a testament to, I guess, like Stan Winston and his team's fucking genius with creature effects. I thought they did a great job on the setting. We already mentioned the lighting, the camera work, uh, acting good overall, minus Maggie and a couple of moments with the other characters. In fact, other than that old lady's makeup and the head-on shots, there wasn't a whole lot more wrong with this movie, in my opinion. I have this as a two for bad. Wow. Is that the lowest bad score we've ever given? It's definitely the lowest bad score I've ever given, so it's got to be in contention. Holy shit. Okay, so... I also agree this was pretty well done. I, I felt like there was some acting that was questionable. The Ed, which um, that like seems take bad. it back yeah. scene was a struggle. A couple times the teen acting didn't have it for me. I didn't like that it was named Pumpkinhead. That's a bit of a problem for yeah, you're me. You're really Venomous stuck on this. That, that feels weird. more like enjoyment to yeah. me, though, than yeah, maybe, uh, flaw with the maybe. movie. Um, the weird possession effect, I think, could have been a little bit better. Which one? The one, the, sorry, possession is maybe the wrong word. The connection between the demon and him. Oh, the, the, the camera thing yeah. with the, yeah. That one wasn't my favorite. And I was also a little frustrated that... Like, that kid had to die in the fashion it did. Like Oh, the little kid. Yeah, like, they didn't get it any help. Like, like, I would have yeah, rather, yeah. like, the kid got absolutely, like, demolished by the dirt bike, and there was no hope left. The fact that there was, like, it was he was alive so long, and then no one did anything effective to, like, help him bothered me. You know, that's a good point. Why did they need to keep him alive? I don't know. Just so that dad would know that Steve and the teenagers had done it? Like, I guess so. He could have been Steve could have waited there for the dad to come back, and he could have just been dead at that moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt, yeah. it felt like a strange choice. But that being said, 
I did not think it was that bad a movie. I thought the creature effects were incredibly effective. I thought the makeup was really good. I thought the lighting and the like cinematography they chose, a lot of the shots were really, really good. Really, really well done. I had this as a three bad. Okay. So, so not bad. No. Uh, it, remember, on our scale, a five is pretty neutral. Anything above a five would is, be bad. Anything is bad. Below Anything five below is not bad. It's a good little movie. bad. But yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. So, so, so not that bad. Um, good. But how enjoyable <laughs> did you find this movie? Oh, so my enjoyability scale. I felt like the tension was good all along. Uh, I was sort of on the edge of my seat. I wanted to know what was going to happen. I wanted to see how these annoying teens were going to be taken down by Pumpkinhead. I did feel, though, for those last three and was happy to see them survive. I feel like edgier or more current films would probably take out everyone or maybe let one person live or maybe even let a person live who was morally suspect. I feel like it was kind of an Mm. 80s move to allow the three, like... People who were being hunted who were most moral not to die in this film. I mean, that's a pretty standard trope. The final girl is usually the most innocent one is the way it goes. But, like, I, I do agree there's a version of this movie where everyone dies. Like, oh, yeah. it cannot be stopped. And, like, Lance Henriksen fails to stop it. And it kills all the teens. And it kills that fucking kid who came outside to help them. And it certainly could have been made that way. And I don't think it takes away from my enjoyment. Like, I like the choice that they made well, in they that. they didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve yeah, to die. they didn't. I think I liked it. Uh, Cameron Letting already said makeup, the effects were awesome. The setting was great. So I I really, really like this. I'm going to give it a 9 for enjoyability. I have the exact same enjoyability rating. I also have it as a 9 for all the reasons you've just said. This thing does a great job of, like, pulling you in. Part of it might be the setting. Like, it's a really interesting setting to me. I I don't have a lot of country life uh, in my, you know, living years here. And so, like, to me, it is an exotic kind of locale. It's, you know, it's an unfamiliar, it's unfamiliar terrain. And so to be in that world and to see, and again, such a creepy, inherently creepy location, so much stuff in the woods. I got sucked into it, man. Like I wanted to see how this was going to go down. I wanted to see who was going to survive or not. And I wanted to see how they were going to get killed. Like you said, I thought this was a very well executed horror movie, especially for the time. The creature effects, man, Stan Winston is a fucking genius. And these things were on point. And, uh, yeah, this has no business being on our podcast <laughs> other than yeah. the beer that we have connected to, which, by the way, what do you think about this beer? <laughs> it was tremendous. Um, the amount of delicious, like, pumpkin and fall-flavored spices in this is just so satisfying. I don't know why I was in the mood for this, but definitely was, and it went down great. Trying to compare it to others I've had, and I haven't had any really recently, I think this takes the cake. So it's funny you say that because we're fucking so in agreement right now in this episode. Last season when we drank the peanut butter chocolate milk stout for Idle Hands, I said it was the best stout I ever had in my life. And I was like, step up your game, Canadian fucking brewers, because nothing in Canada is this good. I feel the same with pumpkin beer. This is the best pumpkin beer I've ever had. I can see why Shipyard has so much fucking hype about this beer because it is tremendous. We got nothing in Canada this good. Incredibly solid, just delicious flavor. And uh, it may not be easy, but I will find a way to get some more of this when the Pumpkinhead returns next year. Oh, absolutely. Pumpkinhead, good time. Check it out. The movie and the beer. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about not having a bad movie next time, though, because our next episode, two weeks from now, we're going to be watching a legendary mid-90s Sylvester Stallone bomb. It's Judge Dredd. (laughs) 
Oh, I have definitely seen this and more than once. And I have <laughs> what? And I have pretty fond memories of this. I always mix it up with Demolition Man, and I think Demolition Man is a better movie. But I think yes. I enjoyed Judge Dredd as well. Sorry, I'm saying yes. I've never seen Judge Dredd. I can only assume Demolition Man is better. It was better received. Yeah, I think so. I I think it's better. But I quite like Judge Dredd. Uh, so oh I'm looking forward to watching God. this again. Is this another fucking tank girl? Uh, based on a comic, fun movie action. that no one loves except you. Actually, yeah. a lot of people supported you on Tank. Yeah, I don't exactly. Fucking know why? <laughs> uh, well, that is going to be our next episode. Two weeks from now, we hope you will join us for Judge Dread. Before then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BMB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any suggestions for beers like this delicious pumpkin head or for movies that you'd like us to uh, share and talk about on here, the BMB podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We always love hearing from you. We thank you for joining us today for Pumpkinhead. We hope you'll join us in two weeks for Judge Dredd. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep trying to raise the dead. What? That's a it terrible idea. It never goes so well. Never works well at all. It always turns out fun. Don't raise the dead. <laughs> The Demon of Revenge.